1: Anarchy!
2: Anarchy! No wonder
0: nobody likes you,
2: Tuttle. Everything's a goddamn debate. Welcome to another edition of the Tuttle Daily Podcast. Hope you guys are having a great day so far. Make sure you go to my YouTube channel, youtube.com tuttle make sure you subscribe and hit that bell button because when you hit that bell button, you're going to get alerted anytime I go live or I upload any new content. My YouTube page is growing every single day and I don't want you guys to think I'm going to get away from this audio podcast. I've talked about this. No, I want to work on both of them. Let both of those be like a teammate, like John Stockton and Carl Malone back in the day assisting each other bringing followers to each other account. So what I'm trying to say, go to YouTube. You're not going to want to miss any of the content. want to get right into it because I got a great interview with the one and only Lou Temple. And if that name sounds familiar, uh, he played Axel on The Walking Dead, and he was also in The Devil's Reject. He's worked with a lot of uh, projects that Rob Zombie has done. But before I do that, I want to play you this news story, and I think it is absolutely ridiculous because I can blow this right out of the water immediately.
3: Karachi is Pakistan's largest city, and now the police there is deploying an armored rollerblading unit.
2: Yes, you heard that correct. They are putting rollerblades on the police force in Pakistan. And I'm gonna post this video up on my social media so you can see how ridiculous it looks because these guys they're training, they're all in unisons. They're all like having their handguns out shooting on rollerblades. I mean, come on, man, I don't I, I, listen, I'll get into why this is not gonna work, but in the video, they're doing like all these like tricks, like jumping over things and stuff. And it is just nothing but pure promotional ridiculousness.
3: Now, this is to code theft and harassment on its teeming streets. Karachi's top cops believe that officers on rollerblades could easily chase thieves on motorbikes. Here's a report.
2: Are they being for real? Because if they got rollerbladers that can keep up with people on motorcycles, then why do we not see Pakistan in the Winter Olympics for speed skating every four years? You just don't see it happening. It's just like the Jamaican bobsled team. What makes the Pakistanians so great at rollerblading? Am I, am I missing something here? I mean, I'm, I'm not that up-to-date on the Pakistani uh, culture. But, I mean, are they known for their rollerblading?
3: Meet the special security unit members on rollerblades. They're practicing roller skating at a Karachi center. As these cops carefully balance... And then leap over a set of stairs.
2: And in this video, it looks highly produced. It looks like one of those highlight parkour films that people post on YouTube because they're like jumping down stairs, uh, hopping over motorcycles and stuff. And then, like, how steady can you actually be shooting a pistol on rollerblades? It's like, uh, have you ever seen those, like, big North Korean marches, those military parades that they do where they're all in unison? I mean, there's got to be, like, 40 of these Pakistanians on rollerblades shooting guns and practicing. And it is just ridiculous, I'm telling you. Uh, Guys, I'll I'll get into why this is not going to work because, I mean, it's common sense what rollerblades don't work on.
3: The aim— Curbing theft and harassment on the streets of Karachi.
2: We felt we needed to come up with some innovative approach to control street crime in Karachi. We analyzed and saw that there are certain spots where crime incidents, say, for example, mobile snatching, are more frequent. Okay, so let me easily blow this whole like little gimmick cop force on rollerblades that they're wanting to do. I don't know. Do they not have grass? Do they not have sand in Pakistan? Kind of rhyme there. I'm a poet. I didn't even know it. But what I'm trying to say is, if you're a thief and you're running from cops on rollerblades, just run through grass. Run through sand. They cannot chase you. Their rollerblades are useless on anything that's not a hard surface. So, trust me, these criminals are smart as hell, and they'll pick up on that. I mean, it's just common sense. Rollerblades don't work on grass or sand. We also saw that they use motorcycles that help them run away easily. At times it is difficult for police teams to chase them from our vehicles.
3: The 20 member unit of the park police comprises 10 men and 10 women.
2: Like I said, I don't know a lot about Pakistan, but do they actually let women like work jobs? Because when I think of Pakistan, I'm, I'm thinking of like Middle Eastern countries. I mean, where women can't even drive. So they're going to give women pistols on rollerblades? Oh, yeah, that's a recipe for disaster if I've ever seen
3: one. Target practice is also part of their training. Cops lift and lower their unloaded guns in unison. Interestingly, the unit will only be allowed to carry handguns.
2: Once again, not trying to paint with a broad brush. But you would think that the roads are not that great in Pakistan. What's going to happen the first time when when they have their pistols drawn and they're chasing after a thief and they hit a pothole and they blow some innocent bystander's head off because they're on moving wheels using a handgun? Once again, a recipe for disaster.
3: That's because handguns have lower risk of ricocheting. One reason why officers won't be armed in shopping malls.
2: We have identified some shopping malls where they would not be armed that depends on the threat. But they would be carrying weapons at some places, especially traffic signals and the places where we are targeting street crime. However, it would be handguns, not rifles. Am I missing something here? I thought a bullet is a bullet. Aren't all bullets going to ricochet no matter if it's a long gun or a handgun? Am I, am I missing something here? I, I, please fill me in. Tuttle at gmail.com or leave me a voicemail 407-270-3044. Secondly, it is part of the training using weapons while they are moving on rollerblades.
3: Using weapons while they are moving on uh, roller skates. The rollerblading police is similar to the existing units in Europe. The Karachi unit is officially set to begin next month but they have already been spotted outside the Pakistan Super League cricket tournament venue. Patrolling Karachi's beachfront has also begun.
2: Right there, I called it. They're going to be patrolling the beachfront. That's how you get away from these cops. I don't think that Pakistani cops are going to shoot people in the back, but I'm running right for the beach. I mean, what good is rollerblades going to do you on beach sand? It's going to be absolutely fucking worthless. I mean, I'm telling you. Oh, how about this? All i got to do is run up a a set of stairs because they showed video of the guys jumping down the stairs. How easily are you going to be able to to get up a set of stairs wearing rollerblades? It's not going to be that easy. What I'm saying is that these people have not thought this ridiculous idea through. It's all promotional. It's all smoke and mirrors. Rollerblades, I will dust anybody on rollerblades if I have the right type of surface to be able to escape from. All right, guys, sorry about the uh, short segment, but when I come back, I'm going to have a conversation with the one and only actor Lou Temple from The Walking Dead who played Axel as well as uh, a part in most Rob Zombie movies. So that conversation coming up right after the break, you are listening to the Tuttle Daily Podcast. He's a nerd. I've only been arrested one time. A radio
0: personality.
2: Professionally, I'm not in the best position that I've ever been in.
0: And hot talk
2: satirizer? You would think with everything that's going on, a Caucasian like myself
0: Do you have something you want to say? Hey, what kind of preacher is you? Leave Tuttle a voicemail. Cause you're kinda ignorant. Especially if you think he's being an asshole. No, nigga, bitch. Will your hurtful comments offend Tuttle? No, baby. Call the show at 407 270 3044.
2: No, baby. Sleep Globe, Baba Kadlu, Gloopsy, Grubbin' Doopy, Grebo, and Dovin' Snoke. Group Go, Gavin Stoopy. All right, guys, welcome back to the Tuttle Daily Podcast. I am excited about this because, in my opinion, this guy is probably one of the most underrated actors that I've ever seen in my life. And I think he kills it in everything he does. And I booked him on a lot of the radio shows that I've done in the past. The one, the only, Lou Temple, Lou, how are you, my friend?
1: Well, I'm doing better now because I'm getting to have a chance to visit with you tuttle it's been it's been a minute, and um yeah, I've really I, I don't give up time to do this i uh, i', I th- this is reward time for me i I always enjoy our conversations in our mm-hmm. our association, so I, I look at it as a gift. so thank you for having me, sir. and i'm and I just say, I'm so impressed with your um, <clears throat> evolution of your podcast, mm-hmm. your daily. You just have Lou, Lou, it, planted it, it, roots it, and grown it, like that.
2: It, it, it's, it, it, you know, a lot of people, and, and maybe you can correlate this as being an actor, you know, when you're trying to break into the game or the industry. You just you got to hustle. You got to go to every single audition. You got to get your name out there. And and that's something that you have done in your career, my friend.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good uh, a, a good offering. I, I was going to ask you, uh, because when we started working together, you were. Book, book, and you were you were running and organizing and, and managing. And engineering a lot of shows that weren't yours and and you'd fill in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you were always learning. and I think you were always mm-hmm. developing your skill set. did you ever did you ever ask for help? is my question,
2: yeah, I mean, i I did, but like, you know, like professionally, I don't like to bother people. i i'm I'm the type of guy. You know, maybe I should be better at it—asking yeah. for favors, asking for help, and stuff. But I sometimes think, as, as humans, we don't want to bother our our um our coworkers or or people that work in the same field as us, is because it makes you look like you're weak, or 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 yeah. you know. And I I don't know does does that happen in the acting business?
1: It doesn't happen very often, but I think there's a a new Set, uh, uh, you know, as we continue, I'm using the word evolution and evolving way too often in our conversation. But I'm starting to get the sense that had you and I asked for help earlier, based on the hard work that we put in, that was noticed. People would have helped us, and and mm-hmm. paid uh, what I call the dummy tax. We could have cut out some of our our hard knocks, our hard roads. So. I'm offering to anyone out there listening that wants to get started in the arts, wants to get started in in uh, uh, a brand, of marketing, wants to get started in any career or interest, ask for help. I think if I would have understood that sooner, uh, um, I would have made bigger gains sooner. Um, that being said, I did ask for help. When I got started as an actor, yeah, I would go. I would go I to was, theaters. I, I, I would was, go to I theaters. Was
2: gonna, I was going to ask who gave you your first break. Like, I mean, yeah, now, well, and and this is a this is this is a double side question. Have you done any stage acting? Because I've talked sure. to a lot of actors, and and you know, a lot of people don't realize. Like when they shoot movies, like give me an idea of like how long you'll shoot for, like when you're doing a scene, like what's the time increment?
1: Yeah, it's crazy. So the other night I'm in, um, I'm in Alabama in Huntsville and we're working on a film and it's a night shoot. And my goodness, we're shooting a scene, one scene of maybe two pages for eight hours. And it's incredibly difficult. And, and, And after a certain point in time, you you start to not lose that laser focus that it requires. So you're just trying to stay consistent with something that you are doing. Uh, so you do, you sit around and wait a lot. Um, I did do a lot of stage. You know, I come from a, a, a generation where we didn't have YouTube, we didn't have TikTok, we didn't have the vehicles to present yourself that you have today. And so the stage in essence, was our Instagram Live. The stage was our TikTok. And we were doing theater, which was great literature and Mm. tried and true performances and and hoping that we were doing well by the playwright and that the audience was entertained and that an, an agent or a producer or somebody might see us. But the opportunity for film or television was a far reach from that stage. So, I would go to stages that were beyond me at that time, and I would watch. Uh, I would be an usher, and that would give me free entry to the production. I would see the play. I'd pick out who I enjoyed the most. That guy's the player. That guy, I would wait after the play at the stage door, and I would invite that person, he or she, to lunch uh, the next day. can I take you to lunch I would save up all week and what actor doesn't Mm -hmm. want a free lunch I would take them to lunch and I would pick (laughs) their i pick their brain about what the craft was and what was their treasure what was their what was their secret and I actually got the Mm -hmm. best advice that I'd ever received from from an actor uh little known no fame just an actor that did a good job in a stage play and he told me you are an actor when you say you are not when you're past not what your bank account or your resume says but when you go home at christmas and you tell your parents and all the family i'm an actor and you don't say it with shame and you don't say it but i'm waiting tables on the side you just say i'm an actor with conviction then that's when you are and that's all it takes
2: man i i i tell people a lot of people don't realize this when when i first started in radio um you know, I've worked with some really, really big names in radio in Central Florida. And I was like a sponge. I was always, I was, I was always just observing, picking up little things. And not a lot of people under you, you were talking about waiting tables. You know, everybody talks about starving actors. When I first started in radio, I was an iron worker. I was a welder. I was up, uh, I was up three or four stories high, laying decking, laying beams and stuff like that. And You know, when you love something, you will sacrifice and put in the other work because, you know, everybody thinks they they I think more of us as Americans, we have this attitude as we need it now. We want that automatic satisfaction and people aren't willing to put in the work.
1: Yeah, we we've kind of built a presentation of everything that we have as a very quick turnaround, very quick feedback. we want you know our internet to I mean you and I I remember dial up uh, man, if these young people had to suffer through dial up, they might <laughs> blow their minds um, and just the options that's I think what the most difficult thing for people that didn't come up with a generation of so many options is actually choosing. I mean, most of us really are are exposed to so many options it's impossible to choose. And it's a little bit like that in in the arts. You know, I go in and and Steve Zahn's over there and Buscemi's over there and and you have a choice of
2: uh, uh you John worked with Hawks Buscemi or, pardon me. You worked with Buscemi? You worked with I've Buscemi? never worked
1: with him but I've been in rooms where he's actually reading for a part that I'm reading for. My point is he is, he
2: is so have, good. He is so you have good. A sh-
1: you have a choice of all these, these talents um, and how do you make the right choice? Of course, you can't go wrong with any of those, but we have all many almost too many choices today. Even in our, our, uh, our streaming, you get on Netflix or get on Hulu. What do you watch? You know, what can you watch? And you end up watching everything because we spend a lot of time doing it. Or the podcast, my goodness, or radio. There's so many great shows, right? There's so much good production. Yeah what are what
2: are you watching right now you know because and and on top of that i want to talk about how the pandemic is changing the movie industry like i i want to get your your opinion your view on that is it ever going to get back to the way that it is that it was where people could go because i gotta tell you i am a movie like freak i enjoy the whole experience going to the movie theater yeah sitting down in the seat finding that right seat and everything do you think that we're ever going to be able to get back to that and how has it affected hollywood
1: uh my answer to your question is is an opinion and i think that anytime you reinvent the wheel uh or uh, adjust it you change and um so the answer, to no, it's not going to get back to what it was I in think the form is. of uh, of movie theaters being open and available. Not because we're not going to get around the pandemic and be in safe uh, environments. I think we will do that, but based on our experience in the last year of having excessively been able to stream and watch whatever we want, the comforts of our own home. And, and maybe we've put in large screening rooms and theaters. Uh, maybe we've changed uh, our our personal space to accommodate what we were lacking in the movie theater, the thing that you said. Uh, maybe've we've, we've built a drop-down theater in our in our family room uh, where we you know were amongst the family. Maybe the idea that we're all together uh, watching a film, all of these things, that we've experienced, I think might lend itself to reasons not to go back to the theater. Uh, I kind of like it at home. Um, I kind of like having not to have an inconvenience of parking or. uh, People
2: talking or cell phones. Yeah. And even the studios, the
1: the studios are putting it out in, you know, I'm going to send you Tuttle a very personal link to this movie. It's yours. Uh, there's going to be a Q&A after it that only you subscribe to, and, and thank you for being part of this. It, it's starting to become a little bit more of a, of a personal experience, than, or at least that's what I'm experiencing. Um, and I do think that's going to change the game, that the theater might start to become more of an event. That you go to like a play or like a concert. Maybe you do this not every Friday, maybe you do this once a month. Why has not
2: drive in why ha why hasn't the drive-in movie theater made a comeback? I mean, I, I think that kind of well, I whole think they thing. have made
1: a comeback compared to where they were for sure. But when's the last time have you done it? Because I did it the other day. Yeah, and I have it it wasn't the best experience in my car. My car wasn't that comfortable. Um, the, the view, the vantage point wasn't that great. Um, I would have much rather watched that in my house. Uh, so I don't know if the drive-in theater, I think the novelty of it is great, um, but I, I don't know that that's any better than, than going to the theater. Safely, we all will go into our buildings under safe, Precautions eventually. Will we want to? Will we want to? Will be the question. Will we want to give up the comfort and convenience of our home and the streaming on a Netflix release to go see a movie at the, you know, at the cinema? Um, That will be the big question.
2: Have you? I I saw a movie, you know, talking about streaming, and this uh, movie is getting a lot of publicity. Uh, Nomadland. Have it, Have you uh, seen or heard anything about Nomadland?
1: I've heard a lot about it, of course. Uh, just to support what you just Frances said,
2: Francis McDormand. You- Frances McDormand is is so good at what she does, and yeah. you know, there there there's a lot of women that you know because women do get treated differently in entertainment because you know they allow men to age gracefully but the women like i compare it to broadcasts like news and stuff you you know yeah the the guy is able to age gracefully but when the woman starts getting a little bit older it's like all right who let's get the next woman up but frances mcdormand like you can tell in this movie she's not wearing any makeup at all
1: and yeah i think she, that's
2: i think that's amazing
1: she uh she's exceptional at just being raw and and exposing who she is in her roles uh the The young lady that's directed this, I think, uh, Chloe, I'm trying to remember her last name. She's she's really fantastic. And she's really making a name for herself or she she's not making a name for herself. She's made a name for herself as one of the the directors that people in Hollywood want to work with. And this No Man Land is part of that. Go ahead.
2: Speaking of directors, speaking of directors. You know, I, I don't think a lot of people give Rob Zombie enough credit for his direct being a director. How was it working for him? Because I got to tell you that scene. I don't know if people have told you this, but like the way you delivered, like, you know, you had that little tremble in your voice like, hey, mister, we're not going to say anything or whatever, you know, you, the the scene and and the Rob Zombie film that you did. And, and like, can you kind of walk me through that, that little scene there? Like,
1: yeah, Rob's uh, you know, Rob goes about his work as a, uh, as a fan of the cinema. He loves movies like you. He grew up on movies. He's a, he's a huge cinephile. He, he knows movies, not just in the horror genre, but specifically he is, he's a huge fan of the horror genre. So he, is also let's not forget a performer that mm-hmm. he goes out and rocks stadiums and so he knows what performance is and he knows how to elicit as a director a performance from an actor or he knows what that works or ah that doesn't work let's try something different so he's instinctually very good he has a very good actor's instinct um because he He's on stage acting when he's doing his music. Uh, so, when we're doing scenes, he's always looking for ways to make the scene the best it can be by whatever means uh, he needs to provide the actors. So, if you want music on the set, you want quiet on the set, you want no one on the set, you need, you know, uh, ginger ale on the set, what do you need? Just let me know, I'll make it better let uh, to make this better. And then he he really takes time in allowing the actors to find the truth in the scene. And does he let he you ad lib at all? Does he let you, you ad lib? I mean, he allows you to ad lib if it helps the scene. He, yeah, he wrote the scene for sure, but if you've brought something that helps the scene or helps your character be more authentic he's all for that you know he just brings how a. Did, blue how,
2: how did how did you get in because i could hear the beer in your voice in that scene and, and a lot of yeah. people don't know the scene that i'm talking about is uh, yeah the devil's it was reject. in yeah devil's reject where it's you and another guy um and they bring you out to some place and you know that the guy is about to kill you and and yeah you, like how did you like prepare for something like that? Because like, like I said, I'm, I'm not just trying to blow smoke up your ass, but like, seriously, like you, you could tell like you, I believe like this is somebody that knows that he's about to, to bite the dust.
1: It's, yeah, exactly. So not many of us, fortunately, hopefully have had to experience that, that they can draw on, Well, there was this one time I was being held at gunpoint and I was going to lose my life. And here's how I felt. So you have to find something that's near to that experience. And and um, for me, uh, with Adam Banjo at that point, uh, I was trying to appeal to his humanity. What I thought would be just human nature, like so many people do. Please just be a human, You, you know. Uh, We were, we were all children once. And, and so that doesn't work. And I think when you start to recognize this, isn't getting through to this person, he's not accepting my offering. It it brings fear to you and you start to understand this fear. Some people are very noble. Some people have fight or flight. Uh, some people are in paralyzation. Uh, you, you, you can choose almost any emotion. You just have to commit to it. So in that venue, I, I just did cho- chose. I chose to be very um, anxious and afraid, not just for me, but for my partner that was going to get hurt. You know, and and so what that did was it it required me to either quit or fight. So it it, it made it a better play than when I stood up and started the fight. And now I'm engaged. I'm going to fight for my life, whether I whether I win or lose, I'm going to go out at least fighting for my life. And I think most people can connect with that. And so that's what I was trying to do. And those are things that Rob allows us to find. And we talk about it, you know, uh, and he's like, yeah, that works. If you can pull that off, that works great. So so he's very good at being able to find those, those notes that, that work.
2: What projects are you working on right now? Like, uh, has it been kind of slow because of the pandemic? You know, a lot of people do not realize this, that Atlanta is kind of almost become the Hollywood of the East. And, you know, you spent a lot of time in Atlanta filming the walking yeah. dead is, is Axel the role that you're known for the most you think? What role do do most people recognize you from?
1: Yeah, I think so. Especially when I was on the show or shortly thereafter, and uh, you know, I was fresh in everybody's minds. Everybody was like, "Well, you're the guy from The Walking Dead," and The Walking Dead was incredibly popular when I was on. Well, it's been incredibly popular all the way through. But yeah, a lot of people do recognize me as Axel from The Walking Dead, and I don't mind that. You know, I, I I appreciate that because I I enjoyed the role i enjoyed the show i enjoyed being part of that production i i still enjoy the show you know they're coming up on the end and and i've really appreciated all the run that they've made so yeah i i like that um i'm doing a show on the bet channel uh called family business i'm kind of a, a a crazy club owner that um propagates a lot of uh 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 it looks night maybe yeah activity of you know some some illegal uh paraphernalia maybe comes through my club a little bit and mm-hmm. uh and I have uh and I have my hand out to get a piece of that cut. So uh but that always leads to trouble. So uh I'm doing that. I, I did a movie um a really great psychological thriller a few months ago with Christina Ricci. Uh, she's great yeah yeah no she's really good it's called monstrous and it's about a young woman that's just her and her husband or pardon me her and her son trying to get away from her husband in the 1950s and um and it turns out nothing is as it seems and they're visited by a monster like poltergeist in this small house so um uh, that was that was really a lot of fun and i did a western which was really cool out uh, that was my first job back in texas is that your first western uh, that,
2: is that your first western was that your first western because i
1: because like you would be perfect
2: Westerns. you would you would be yeah. perfect for it now now explain this you you bring this up a lot explain the term texican you 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 you, you yeah. know you tweet a lot about that give explain I, what uh the meaning well, Texican?
1: Texican is uh Texican is kind of my brand, you know. Uh, I'm from Louisiana, but I lived in Texas all the all, all my mm-hmm. years prior to coming to Los Angeles. Uh, I love Texas, um, and I kind of associate associate with the can-do spirit of the Texan. Uh, I I like the mm-hmm. you know the cowboy genre and the motif and country western music and a lot of my friends i i enjoy horses and trucks and, and um i like getting out what's your favorite and western campfire and uh what's your favorite, favorite western, western of all time uh I'm I'm, gonna mine is say, unforgivable
2: i love unforgivable
1: yeah that one's that one's beautiful um I'm going to, I'm going to say mine is the Cowboys, John Wayne, the Cowboys.
2: Wow. And,
1: uh, where he takes a bunch of children on the, on the trail out to, on a cattle, cattle drive. Um, so the Texican is a, is a Patreon subscription ship, uh, website that I have up. Um, and for five bucks, you can join and I'll give you a backstage pass to movies that I'm doing. projects that i'm part of some of the behind the scenes look while i'm on set also we're trying to write stories so a lot of the scripts that i write were uh were prepping those and putting those out getting people to get engaged in story telling because i think everybody has a story to tell so I'm trying to inspire people to, to tell their story. No person can walk out on their own story. It's like destiny. So you should start writing your story and I can help you. So uh, subscribe and, and we get on and we start with once upon a time, there was me. And then we walk it through um, to the happily ever after or however it ends. And so it's a storytelling website. And that's part mm. of becoming a Texican joining the Texican
2: a lot of people don't know this but you were a baseball player you mm. um played a lot of baseball I love it. And yeah you, today's I, the what,
1: uh, today's the first game you, by the way down oh, in is. your home state your uh today is uh I think the Yankees are playing the Blue Jays today
2: yeah, because Toronto, Toronto, they're all coming to Tampa. Like the Raptors, the basketball team is playing in Tampa. I mean, think yeah. about Tampa—how badly they got screwed over when it came to this pandemic. Yeah. They, um, they didn't get any World Series games. They didn't no. get—I mean, I, they hosted the Super Bowl, but it wasn't a full stadium. Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning, our hockey team, won the Stanley Cup this year. Um, so yeah it kind of sucks but have you been
1: tampa's kind of did you live in tampa when there were not sports
2: um no i i i was in tampa in 2010 but i know you're good friends with the hitting coach that was with the Rays, hickey right
1: yeah Um, jim he's over he's uh he's gone to washington now he's over with the uh uh the Nationals and um yeah I love baseball I I was a baseball player in going college out of uh, Winter Park Florida Rollins College is where I went to school and I got drafted well, there yeah, I and forgot went with-
2: I forgot that you 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 were an Orlando guy Rollins College and and Rollins College yeah. is such an underrated college it is in one of the nicest areas of Orlando and Rollins College has always had it. It's a beautiful campus,
1: team. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah we had love did and it. they now, still do. Now,
2: um did you ever get to play in the in the show? Like did you did you ever get uh, a major league No, a couple of spring training belt?
1: games I got called Yeah, I got called in um to suit up and just kind of be on the bench in case someone got hurt for a couple spring training games. I played a couple of B games against a lot of big leaguers. Uh, so but my career was basically as a double A guy, a ball double A guy. And then when I got done, I was um, a scout and a coach. And then I was kind of working up the ladder to be a, a an executive. And I think mm-hmm. for sure I would be a general manager. I think for sure I'd be running a team uh, by this time. And then I, I followed a girl in houston texas Mm -hmm. into an acting class and um and that's where i saw this other thing that just you know i said those there's my people on the stage that's where i belong and i didn't know how to do any of that but i went back to school and learned so i've been very fortunate tuttle to be able to have two amazing careers in professional baseball and and as a professional actor
2: um I play college ball. I only play community college baseball, but um, I um, my pitching coach. I just found what? out where at uh, Daytona Beach Community College um, uh, over oh, here. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, they would they, you know, at the time, you know, like a lot of people don't realize this is like one of my favorite pitchers of all time was Greg Maddox. You know, that guy barely threw in the mid sure. 80s, but he was amazing. But a lot of these scouts, you were a scout they don't want to even look at you if you're not even hitting the nineties nowadays. Now they like, they don't even want to show you any attention at all.
1: For sure. Yeah. It's all about the, what they call the V low velocity. So, (laughs) uh, so it's hard. It's hard. If you're a guy like Maddox who, um, who has such great pinpoint location and great savvy on the mound, it's hard to impress people with just good pitching anymore. Um, Kind of like the thing that we talked about, patience, you know, the patience factor that you have and putting in your work at your vocation, working your way up, as opposed to I want it now, I'm going to put it on YouTube and be a star right away. Big difference in in our societal expectations, you know, or, or, you know, our attachments.
2: A lot of people don't realize this. They, they think that the minor leaguers I, I just talked to Slade Heathcott. He was he played a year in the majors for the Yankees, and, and I've interviewed a lot of players, but I don't think people realize that minor leaguers do not get paid a lot of money. like it, it is you're doing it for the love yeah. of the game, right?
1: Yeah, you're betting on the come. I mean, you're, the, the reward is when you get to the big leagues you know, you finally reached and obtained the highest level, but also the higher salary level. So no, you're not making a lot of money in the minor leagues. Maybe when you sign your bonus, you've saved a little of that, hopefully. But, you know, mm-hmm. it's like any money. It just flows. You've got to keep it flowing. So um, it it doesn't support you very well. Who's,
2: no. Who was, what was the greatest pitch? Because you were a catcher, right?
1: I ended up catching, but I've played a lot of middle infield. So, but oh, uh, who's the best pitcher that I ever faced? Yeah. Who
2: was the best pitcher yet yeah, or face or caught? Like, you know, um, because uh, what I wanted the to best talk pitcher, about is that my. The,
1: the best pitcher that I ever caught it w- was a bullpen session. Uh, he just needed to throw. I caught Nolan Ryan one day.
2: And. Holy fuck. Oh my God. Yeah. So that. See, that.
1: That was the best. In the minor leagues one time, I faced this tall left-hander for the Montreal Expos at the time. Don't say
2: Randy Johnson. That's exactly who I'm going to say.
1: Oh, my um, God. And and he wasn't wasn't very good, only because of this. He couldn't throw strikes, so he had to let up to throw strikes, and we hit him pretty good. Uh, But when he learned to throw strikes, he was unhittable for sure.
2: Yeah, I, I, managers would 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 like you could be the best left-handed hitter in the world, and when Johnson was on the mound, they were like, "Hey, you're gonna you're gonna be on the bench today because, <laughs> as a lefty, it is got to be intimidating, uh, that big lanky monster throwing that ninety-eight, ninety-nine mile an hour fastball from that side."
1: Yeah, he did it so easy too. But when he started, he didn't have it was worse because he didn't have any control. He could, you know, he might, he might hit four guys in a row. That's scary. Was, That's right. scary and yeah. intimidating. It was then. Yeah. Do so you remember? I think was... John,
2: John, John Kroc during one of the all-star games, yeah. I think Johnson threw like 10 feet over his head one time and he switched to the other side. He turned his helmet around yeah. <laughs> and, and batted yeah. from the right side. Um, Best baseball movie in your opinion.
1: I like uh Eight Man Out. I like Why? Uh, Why? because of well, uh, because of the story. I like that all the guys involved were um were making uh decisions that that they were forced to make based on the economics mm. of the game at the time and I just sort of like the ethos pathos um, you know, when I watch baseball movies all too often, I I see their, the flaws of the guys playing baseball, like the, the swings, care. the
2: pitching, the
1: swings yeah. never
2: look like John Goodman and the babe had one yeah. of the worst swings that I've ever seen an actor ever have in baseball.
1: Not too good. Yeah. Not too good. Even Costner as well as, as hard as he works on it, uh, isn't. You know Charlie Sheen. I played a lot of catch with Charlie Sheen. He he could throw okay. He was all right.
2: Wild wow thing, yeah. Made the major league movies were amazing, but they um, were a lot of fun. I got yeah. I got I got to tell you, Bull Durham though is still one of the most quotable movies. When it it comes is. To it baseball. is. I
1: just having played in the minor leagues, not much of that happened. If you had a girl in the clubhouse, you 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 were going to get sent home. Nobody. There was no girl that was. <laughs> that was more important than your baseball career. But yeah, I I kind of appreciate it. Yeah.
2: Now, now Lou, I'm going to let you go, but uh, tell people uh, how they can find you. And, and I just want to let you know how grateful I am for you coming on the shows. Um, It really helped me out a lot because like, I, I I think I got you on the Mike Calta show one time you, you were talking and, 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 And and, you know, like, you know, as a producer, you have to pitch, hey, this is a great interview here. I'll give you an example. Okay, Uh, when I was working in Orlando, uh, a little known actor by the name of Danny Boyle uh, did a movie called Slumdog Millionaire. And I and and I had to pitch it. I I was like, listen, you're going to want to have this guy on. You're going to want to have him on and then the movie ends up winning the best picture and guess what the host hey can we uh, find that interview that I basically had to beg you to do with Danny Boyle because now that he won the best picture now you guys want to reuse that interview so i just want to thank you for coming on because it 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 really helped me out in my radio career yeah. getting you on because you were you were such a genuine honest guest that well, they were like man great about, great guest.
1: you're always you're always good about presenting what it is. You're very organized. You're thorough. You do a lot of follow up. Uh, you don't just, hey, I got okay, I got you. I'll see you then. You're really good about here's what we're going to talk about, or here's if you want to talk about anything. Here's what we're going to do. Um, uh, you know, I, I I just appreciate the work that you put in prepping for the interview, and I always I always recognize that. So it was always. Um, and you know, your, your shows always are really fun. So I was that, I was <laughs> honest when I said, yeah, of course I, I, I want to talk to Tuttle. I hadn't talked to him in a while and I'm really excited that your yeah. show is doing so well. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm Lou Temple mm-hmm. actor. Now, recently I had my Instagram page stolen. It was hacked. And then I got it back and then Instagram shut it down for some reason. And I don't really know yeah. what that reason is. So I'm not on Instagram anymore. Sorry about that. But I, I, I'm like, if they don't want me, I don't want them either. Okay. Um, but I am on Twitter. Um, look for me on IMDB. You can always see what I have going on and check out the Texican on Patreon. And Maybe you might want to get involved out there, guys. Yeah. Because it's a lot of fun um, behind I, the I, scenes. I, I, and... I'm going to inspire you to do something. You're going to get your 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 great American novel written.
2: Okay, yeah, dude, Lou, man, I am. Uh, so, where are you at right now, by the way?
1: I'm in beautiful, sunny uh, Southern California. I'm just going to show you out the window here. This okay, same yeah, type yeah, of yeah, palm tree that you you've got well, right is- there, and and it's it's uh, a staghorn
2: be- fern. This is a, this is actually yeah. a staghorn fern that I have behind me, and it's actually older than I am. Like, um, my my parents wow. have been growing it and stuff, and and it's actually really cool. I have um,
1: one. I, I wish you would let me know because I have one in my backyard. Oh, you that's do the same thing. That's exactly the same thing. It, little known secret: you can put a banana bananas. in it.
2: Yep, and, bananas. Yeah.
1: So. <laughs> So we got that title, you and me on the staghorn ferns.
2: Yeah, Lou, man, listen, I'm so proud of you. I'm so happy for all your success. And and I hope, you know, if you ever need anything or need me to get you and or promote uh, any of your projects, feel free to reach out to me anytime, my friend.
0: and hot talk satirizer you're listening to the Tuttle podcast all
2: right guys welcome back i want to thank lou temple for joining me he's one of those guests that i booked on a couple of shows i think the first show that i actually booked him on was the monsters in the morning and i also think i got him on the mike calta show well i, I brought that up in the interview so i know that for sure So I just want to thank him for joining me. He's one of those underrated actors. Coming up on tomorrow's show, I got some uh, real disturbing uh, info about a past guest that I had on the show. And I'm trying to do my own research and because, you know, as a broadcaster, I don't want you to think that I'm irresponsible, but I always want to check out my information first before I run with a story. I hope to bring that to you tomorrow, as well as talking about the movie Ten Cup, which I think is by far Kevin Costner's most underrated movie. Very, very quotable, and Don Johnson was in that. And I'm going to break down the audio of Ron and Ron when Don Johnson... And especially Ron Bennington got into an argument with a very, very inebriated Don Johnson that threatened to want to meet them and fight them somewhere. Now, I'm telling you, Ronnie B, yeah, he's like a wise guy. But Ron Diaz, oh, man, whew, that'd be the last guy that I would ever want to fuck with. So hope you guys enjoyed today's show. Be back tomorrow. Make sure you subscribe to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Tuttle go to my website, Tuttle.net. And if you want to reach out to me, there's two ways. You can email me, Tuttle at gmail.com or leave me a voicemail, 407-270-3044. Hope you guys have a great day and I will talk to you tomorrow.
0: And that's the show for today. Thanks for listening to the Tuttle Daily Podcast. Hey, don't be a dickhead. Do us a favor, like, share, and subscribe to the show. Also, Check out the Tuttle category at 315live.com The Tuttle Daily Podcast is brought to you by the Vapor Shades Hobo Fish Camp. Do you want some cool-ass sunglasses? Check out VaporShades.com Also brought to you by Starfire Transport, StitchuUp.com, PocketPairClub.com Special thanks to show intern Hannah and Charlie Lamo for their contributions. Additional imaging and production is provided by CCA Productions facebook.com slash cca productions presents show voiceover services brought to you by jcvoiceover.com that guy's got a damn sexy voice you should hire him check out jcvoiceover.com if you want to help support the show go to paypal.me slash on the radio comments concerns or do you just want to let tuttle know he's being a dickhead tuttle at gmail.com that's Tuttle with two Ds at gmail.com. Leave a voicemail at 407 270 To follow all of Tuttle's social media, go to Tuttle.net. Thanks again for all your support, and we'll see you tomorrow on the Tuttle Daily Podcast.
2: Ayo, hey, Terry, what's going on?